The variety and eclecticism of black relationships represented in the past cannot be touched on until we remind you the storytellers were not us. Welcome to Inside My Box, episode one. We replicate. As children, we learn by replicating. Trace the alphabet, repeat after me. I before E, describe what you see. Growing up, I didn't see many, any, successful Black or Latinx relationships on TV, anywhere, really. Definitely not in my home, and I don't really remember my friends having a home that showed that. I do remember watching a lot of soap rappers and novellas growing up, like my mom and my nana would talk on the phone every day. The thing about novellas and soap rappers, they're both the whitest of the white and the chaotic of chaotic. Like, the white people in there be extra chaotic for no reason. And then the black people be extra, extra chaotic. I feel like I watched a lot of those relationships because my mother and my nana watched those. But I don't really know that I watched relationships. What kind of relationships did you see growing up? Um, my dad died when I was 12. And um, I do believe that that has been the reason why I haven't really been in relationships. So my parents were together. So when my dad died, you know, we were, uh, you know, your typical uh, family unit, unit. But the only other person that was married in our immediate was my grandparents. And that's an expectation, right? <laughs> you know, like those are grandparents. They're older, you know. When I was growing up, that's just what you expected to see. But I did not see a lot of relationships around me. I didn't see a lot of anyone in relationships. There weren't a lot of marriages around. So there, there weren't any examples, anything to, to look towards. Yo, Ma, what's up? What? Why are you always answering me like that? Why are you still calling me Ma? Calling me out my name like you don't know no better. I call you Ma because you are the figure of maternal elite. You, Ma, represent the strength, the solid, the smooth that comes in the form of that that is most worshipped. All right, all right, I hear you. But... Did you ever think about the pressure that puts on me? What you talking about? Consistently, constantly, since I could breathe and walk and maybe before I could speak, you, among others like you, roll a sign in, mountain climbing, reaching for the goddess, the holiest. What if I don't want to be your goddess, your ma, miss? What about what I want? What do you want? I want you to see me. Listen to me. When I say I like that, do that. When I say I don't, step back, apologize, 
and promise and mean that you won't. Don't title me. Don't roll me. Let me be me. Let me assign me. And then maybe this will be a real we. So that's just it? That's the end of the scene? Yeah, that's where it ends. Is it like a commentary on women being pushed into roles from society? I think it's a commentary on people being pushed into gendered, Eurocentric roles. I just feel like it doesn't really go into that. It still kind of dances around that point. Well, if M just came out and lashed out about how G is supposed to be a partner, and if a partner can't stop calling her something that she has asked them, how is she supposed to feel about asking people who don't owe her shit to do so? I don't know. Maybe. What's wrong with that? It's hard. It's hard to talk about shit sometimes. Uh, During our first year, I think we were considered open by practice because we were, it it came from a place of protection. Um, No actual conversation about keeping the relationship open happened, but we called it casual dating. And uh, we casually dated other people as well as each other in order to make sure that we weren't putting too many cards on the table at once. Um, and, I, and, you know, I will say that I don't think it was that healthy because we were college and it's very rare to have a very healthy relationship in college. But we didn't really sit down and have a deep conversation with each other about what we were to one another and what we needed this relationship to look like. So we had to sit down and take a look at it, really just open the book of the relationship and figure out what was working and what was not. We decided that uh, through much trial and error, and it sounds very clean as I tell you right now, but it was not clean when it was happening. (laughs) Um, We decided that keeping an open relationship was a good idea while we were in um, different cities and maybe even after we came back together. But we then had to define, okay, what is open versus casual? And what does an open relationship mean to somebody who is polyamorous like me, as opposed to somebody who is not so polyamorous like him? Um, So that we really did have to focus on what we needed from one another to still feel comfortable and like uh, supported. And so open was really, to say that we were in an open relationship was us acknowledging like, okay, we're on the same team now. We're no longer two individuals who are coming to this space to share time and intimacy. We're on the same team. That's it. This is the relationship. And this is how we have to, this is how we have to operate in order to make it work. The relationships we have with each other are intricate. Monogamy, not to be confused with monotony, because though it's the same, it brings its own fascinating varieties. Have you ever watched someone wear a head wrap to bed two months in a row and then, poof, suddenly a head wrap is an optional item? 
Suddenly, so is brushing your teeth before bed. And then, the monogamy tells you that no matter the variety of your morning breath, I want you there every morning. It's okay to hold me, I won't slip away, and if you're scared to hold me, I may just not know to stay. I didn't have language for Polly until I met my ex-fiance my college sweetheart. She was from Rhode Island and a hippie. At that point, I had established loose morals of, I'm fine with being someone's other woman or side chick, as long as they're honest in their communication with me. I got that far on my own through trial and error, but she taught me the language. I really wanted to be with people who could have honest communication with me as a partner primary or generally, and with their other partners. I was always searching for a kind of communication, a deep communication, a deep understanding. Recently, a lover asked me, what is the most painful thing a partner can do to you? And I said, I think they could not understand me. And I clarified, I know that they will not understand me at times, but I think that they could just not try to. And if you're scared to hold me, I hope you'll hold me. I move through polyamorous, monogamous, but open, non-monogamous, but primary. <laughs> I recently had a partner who wanted us to be titled romantically monogamous, which I'm not sure I could ever really be. It implies, or maybe it ignores the romantic love we have with our friends, or the intimacy we can share with our non-partners. When it comes to like, um romantic partnerships you know and like non-romantic partnerships I, <laughs> I I used to actually be a relationship anarchist um and now I practice monogamy I am not um by nature a monogamous person um and when I say that I mean when I connect with someone um on a physical and an emotional level that's like um 
uh, attracts me sexually. Um, it's not my automatic response to to just like dead that, like nip that in the bud. Um, it, it means that like there needs to be conversations around whoever I'm romantically partnered with um, first, <laughs> and then probably a conversation with the other person of like, okay, where do we go from here in a way that feels healthy um, for everyone? What category do we keep monogamous and polyamorous? Is that also a sliding door? Can you truly split yourself through a doorway so that the monogamous side stays with its monogamous lover and the polyamorous side stays alone? Today I thought about my pain parameters that hurt, but was the hurt bad or good? So it's funny that you asked me that question because as I was just touting how I'm this relationship builder, um, it's funny to me because with relationships, with love interest relationships, that's not an area that, um, that that's what I'm looking for. That love, that spending time together, travel. I love to travel. Um, so to have someone um, who can, you know what, match my energy, who can hang with me and or who could slow me down. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm open to that as well. But it's, you know, it's about just loving one another and caring about one another and spending that time to get somebody who's, you know, listening, cares about my day, cares about what I'm experiencing, cares about my goals, you know, and is able to help me with that. You know, somebody who um, I can learn from. I think I'm still in the process of learning that I don't always, I don't have to answer to my teammate. I don't have to answer to my partner and he's not ever asking me to answer to him, but society is society. And I've been socialized to believe that because I have this wonderful partner, me expressing that I want to date outside around with him in other spaces you know, it's just not done. <laughs> it's not done. For me, at the time when I was exploring polyamory, I had a dominant relationship and then I would have these connections I would continue to make. But you know, there's communication through all of it and understanding and with that dominant relationship, which is for me, it was like the very first connection I had made, the first relationship. We set some barriers and boundaries which helped me understand more of like what I was looking for when I was looking in partners and partnerships. My recent ex happened during COVID. Actually, fun, fun, fun story. It was on April Fool's Day and it dawned on me that it was on April Fool's Day. And so like one of my friends as a joke was like, well, maybe it's a joke. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's April Fool's Day. No, it was not a joke. It was not a joke. When my friend realized that I was taking their joke seriously, they were like, ooh, ooh, kiki, kiki. No, 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 Don't text them. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. It did not go very well for me. I honestly, and it sat with me for like a whole ass week, but then the next day though, I did text them and stuff like that. They're like, I think we should let time figure out us not being together.
I love you. Now go. I haven't fallen out of love with you. Your smile is still incredibly beautiful to me. And your conversation, at times, delightful. I haven't fallen out of love with you. I've just grown to notice how you take little jabs where my family would take big, where my lover would take none. You hold many grudges where my family would yell, where I'd always be one. You maybe don't get me. I, I can make myself invisible. You don't know, but you say you get me. And I haven't fallen out of love with the thought of being understood. I haven't fallen out of love with you. I've just grown to notice that some days, sometimes, I don't want to be with you. I love you. I promise. Now go. What about the relationships we have with ourselves? I'm currently single. I haven't been this level type of single in a while. A friend was saying, Janelle, you are just as sexual as I am and I am having sex every day. How are you surviving? And I followed up by saying, I don't even think I'm really masturbating. There's something else on my mind right now. There's something that I want deeper than that. Deeper than a surface level relationship. Deeper than some really good sex. My smile catches many eyes, but it's humbling, pleasuring and powerful. I want to continue to learn myself. So I am masterful when I maneuver with you. Yeah, so what attract, I'm attracted to confidence. So that is definitely another thing the, the, um, the man in Las Vegas 
he has so much confidence about himself, that walk. Um, that walk really attracted me and, and I love that. So a person who's confident within themselves um, is something that I'm attracted to. A recent lover just told me that they were attracted to the way that I walked, which I would have found funny, except I was also pretty attracted to the way that they walked. There is something in the way we hold ourselves, whether we're in a relationship or out of a relationship. Who we are and the pleasure we get is so important. Who? Pleasure. Currently, I find pleasure in in cooking and dancing while I cook and like feeling my booty cheeks sway. That's just so it feels like it feels like affirmation to my body and my black ancestors like for real. For real. <laughs> our relationship to our bodies our relationship to our ancestors. All of these are important. They're worth nourishing. They're worth paying attention to. What is your relationship title? With yourself? With your partner? With your lover? How often are you communicating? I say this as a single person, not really communicating with anyone. Well, I'm communicating with you. So, I guess we're kinda in a relationship now. And remember that thing I said about, you know, titles, monogamous, polyamorous, open, closed, single. We don't have to wear any of those. I'm pretty comfortable with my relationship identity right now. What's yours? My relationship identity is monogamous. So I, at this point, you know, I said I'm open, you know, I don't know what the, the box or the package is gonna look like that my, that my mate comes in, um, but I think that the relationship identity or the relationship that I want, I would definitely want it to be um, a one-on-one -on -one relationship, monogamous. It's about recognizing. I think that we get so many different examples and glimpses, but we don't always pay attention to them. You know, we don't really pay attention to what's going on around us, so we keep it moving. But when you take time to, to reflect on something, it's like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> Inside my box lives a variety of relationships that suit and fit a variety of black folks, Latinx folks, and you know what? All folks. The scale and types are accessible. The language is limited and limitless, but definitely not just based on a white perspective. Find yourself. Find the language that suits you, that makes you feel strong. Wear that language, try it out. Give it back if you don't like it, buy something new. Pay no more than you're willing to. Welcome to your first episode of Inside My Box. Created, curated, and facilitated by me, Janelle Lawrence. 
This episode features music by me, scenes written by me, performed by me, and interviews of Alex, Kiki, Deneen, and Goddess. You can learn more about them on the website in the episode breakdown. Sound and story design by Janelle Lawrence. Please like, subscribe, and follow Inside My Box podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, iTunes, Anchor, and Instagram. And I'll see you next week.